And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And I do have to tell you, we are very, very grateful to Fullscale, today's episode sponsor. Fullscale is a software management team. They are an incredible partner to us, but they can help you build a software team quickly and affordably, help you bring your, your tech vision to life. Uh, so, so speaking of tech vision, uh, today's guest, I am super excited to have this individual on the show. Uh, Connor Hazelrig is one of the more visionary uh, people that I've ever met. And of course, you, I think you know by now that I love STEMinists, um, you know, women who are involved in, in science and technology. And, and Connor is one of those. She is the founder and CEO of 1773 Innovation Company. Um, she has invented the sunshine box uh, and is just an all around amazing entrepreneurial mind, uh, a, a friend of mine. And I am so thrilled to have her on the show. Connor, thank you so much for taking the time. Hey, Lauren, and, and thank you for having me. And I'm, I'm glad to be here and to talk to your audience. Awesome. Well, so, so let's go ahead and hop right into it. I'm just I'm going to ask you that very, very general question. But, you know, tell us about you and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd be happy to. Um, it depends on how far you want to go back, but uh, I'll take a, a stab at it. Um, I live here in Kansas City. Uh, I've been involved with uh, the Sunshine Box since its creation and, and helped um, kind of lead the uh, design and the, the vision for where that was. A friend of mine came back from Haiti and said, everyone has cell phones and no one has access to electricity. And that really you know, led me down this whole kind of mind journey of, of how do you solve those types of problems? And so with the help of, of Kendall Randolph, who's the CEO of Sunshine Electronic Display, um, I came up with the idea to invent the Sunshine Box, which is a solar paneled cell phone charger um, as a student. And I was a, a student at William Jewell College. Um, I continued the Sunshine Box. I continued to go to school, completed my undergraduate, went on to get a graduate degree and have worked for a handful of startups in the Kansas City area. And um, have just loved the experience and want to continue to be an entrepreneur. Well, that is awesome. And I, and I love that you used real life to inform something that you want to do. Um, and so, so I'm going to ask you, tell us, tell us about the Sunshine Box. Yeah. So, so like I said, it's a solar powered cell phone charger. Uh, it's about the size of a small suitcase, one that you would uh, carry on with you on an airplane. It's got 10 ports around the outside used to charge 10 cell phones or devices simultaneously. Um, and it provides a job for people who live in developing countries uh, to have a, a source of full-time income. And so when you think about places like Haiti, Uganda, um, even some remote places in Guatemala, uh, people don't have access to electricity readily. And so by 
empowering people, and I love to use the word empower because of the pun behind providing charging stations. Oh my um, gosh. People. Can I call you a nerd for that? Just like a little bit? Absolutely. Everyone calls me a nerd. So just please join it. that I club. Love it. Um, You know, when we give people these boxes or set them up to be agents of the box, they're able to sell that electricity and provide uh, well over a full-time income for them and their families just by selling electricity. Um, So that kind of gives you a a little bit of a background on on what the Sunshine Box does and kind of how we use it to, you know, help people relieve that burden um, that exists for so many people in, in developing countries. Well, and so, so I think one of the things I remember you and I having a, a conversation once about once upon a time about the importance of the sunshine box to to the people it is designed to benefit. And I think one of the the things that, you know, maybe people here in the US or people in, um, you know, some more moneyed countries don't really think about is the fact that often for for individuals in these countries, um, a cell phone is their lifeline, you know, often they're not going to have, you know, computers or laptops, but they'll have that cell phone. And it's the way that they conduct their banking. And it's the way that they stay in touch with family. And it's the way that they get news alerts if they've been in an area affected by by weather or, you know, disaster. And so so really, I, I think the one of the things that I just want to highlight is the fact that, you know, you're, you're providing electricity, you're allowing people to, to, you know, charge their cell phones and charge their devices and all of that stuff. But really what you're doing is you're creating a conduit to, to the outside world and to connection and to, uh, you know, getting stuff done. Right. Yeah. It's, you, you nailed it right on top of the head. I mean, it's a scarcity issue that most people um, in the United States who haven't traveled abroad, who haven't been on different um, international trips to specific countries, we don't understand. And so uh, being able to provide that really helps people um, have the foundation that they need to end that cycle of poverty for themselves. If they don't have the cell phone, they most likely don't have a secure way to access money. And, and that, that leads us into a whole nother issue about the population of the world that's unbanked because of all of the discrimination uh, required to, you know, have a bank account, right? All, yeah. all of the different details needed in that. And so it's it's really been a great way to help uh, impact people's lives and, and see, you know, people in that poverty cycle for their family. Um, and it's been a huge impact. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, so just to kind of bring the point home, like not only – are you providing jobs for the folks who become, what, what do you call them? The, the individuals who, who kind of license these boxes to sell the electricity? What, 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 are, what is their title? Agents. Agents. Yeah. So, so you, you're empowering, haha, empowering yes. the agents. You are empowering the individuals who, who have, you know, access in the palm of their hands to everything that they need to do and all of the people that they need to connect. That's a really, that's a really powerful thing that you're doing, Connor. And I, I just want to ask you, I'm going to get a little personal for a second, because I, I just find this fascinating. You know, you, you said that you were inspired by a friend of yours who who traveled uh, to another country and saw some of these challenges. But I want to ask you, what do you think is in, in you that, you know, you heard this story and you were like, I want to help? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's one of those things that when I was a student, and my undergraduate degree is in math and physics. Uh, and my friend came back and told me about this problem. I was so 
ingrained in being taught about problem solving and, and understanding the, the mechanics and the electricity behind, um, you know, just any type of engineering problem. And so it, it really challenged me to think about uh, a problem much bigger than what I was learning, especially from a philosophical standpoint, understanding what it means um, to have a value of a cell phone beyond just that monetary value. What's that intrinsic value of the cell phone? And I was just inspired by that, that almost real world problem, right? That we, yeah. can, we can take these big issues and we can find ways to make an impact. I mean, I, I hate to use the word solution because no one solution is going to fit a big world problem. It takes, you know, an entire village to do something like that. Right. Um, but it, it gave me a tangible outlook on what I could do and who I could be. Um, yeah. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I was just in those subject areas because that's what I was good at. Um, and it gave me a, a way to find, you know, really what I wanted to do. And it was to use my math and physics skills um, and then the skills I've gained since then to really help drive um, the Sunshine Box and whatever future version of the Sunshine Box there is to, to really make an impact in the world. Well, so, of course, I, I think that's awesome. And I have always greatly admired your, your heart in addition to your brain. So let's talk, you know, let's talk a little bit about the development of the box. Like that, that was a whole process. And I, I, I want to delve into a couple of things here, here deeply, but first things first, let's talk about the mechanics. So you hear this story, you are inspired to help. You're a problem solver. You're putting sketches to paper. You're kind of thinking through the problem, thinking how you can help maybe not solve it, but certainly I guess mediate this challenge that you're seeing, um, what what were your first steps into the development of the box? Yeah, so it was, like you said, pen to paper, sketching it out, um, figuring out kind of what we wanted the box to do, right? Ultimately, it was to charge cell phones. Um, but did we want it to charge cell phones with the outlet that looks like the ones on your wall? Or do we want it to be with a USB or... Uh, wh right. What does that look like? And so we ultimately went with a 12 volt uh, outlet because it, it provides us with the ability to have the UL certification for safety. It's ultimately waterproof. Uh, it's universal when we think about applications. And so just walking through some of those steps and, you know, at the time it was more or less like, what do we have available and does this make sense? And, right. and now looking back on it, it's like, wow, like we are so fortunate to have kind of thought through some of those things to avoid issues that, that we see with some of our competitors' products on the market uh, in some of the decisions they'd made, you know, in some of those choices. Yeah. Well, so I, I do want to, to talk a little bit about, so I love the name, the Sunshine Box, because I think that there is a, there's a really interesting and really cool synergy um, you know, the sunshine box is about sustainable energy. Um, and, and, and so, so I love the name of it, but the name actually has a different or like a, a, a somewhat different origin, doesn't it? Yes. Um, so there's actually kind of a double meaning behind it. And if you're lucky enough to know both of them, uh, then that means you've been pretty close to the, the whole development of the box. Um, the, the first part was like you said, right. It's, it's solar powered. Uh, it, it's charging from the sun. Uh, but the, the main part of it is that the manufacturer is actually called Sunshine, Sunshine Electronic Display. And yeah. when I was doing testing on this box, um, my physics advisor and a, a co-researcher of mine uh, 
kept calling it the sunshine box, meaning that it had come from sunshine display and my internship there and working with them. Yeah. And, and then it just kind of stuck like, you know, this makes sense. It's intuitive. It's simple. It's catchy. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's really kind of cool having the, the name of the box attribute back to the manufacturer, but then also towards what we see it doing. Yeah. Well, so, so I always loved that. And I would actually, I, I would posit as somebody kind of on the outside looking in, but I did know that double meaning. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah, I have to share that because I think it's so cool. Uh, but the third meaning to me is, you know, you're, you're bringing a little bit of sunshine and hope to people who need it. Um, you're making a very vital and crucial uh, task, you know, powering up your devices, staying in touch with the world, you're, you're making it easier and you're bringing opportunity to your, the agents and you're and so, so I'm going to go ahead and say that there is a third meaning in there. Um, that is, that is me just describing meaning to what you do, but I, I just love, I've always loved the name Connor. Like it's always just, I'm like, wow, that is so appropriate in so many different ways. <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, one word you said in that is is been a theme. Every time we talk to people who have received the sunshine box, regardless of the country they live in or the circumstances that they've received the box in, um, and that word's hope, right? There, that, that's a, yeah. a theme that we see over and over, whether it's people finding hope in the sunshine box because they just received it after their home was destroyed uh, in Hurricane Maria, or it's the hope that they can actually have access to energy for one of the first times in a reliable way that then can power lights in their church. And so, so hope's got a really big meaning, you know, behind what we're able to do and the impact we've been able to create. Yeah. Well, so, so I just, I think it's, it's so appropriate. Um, and, and one of the other things that you do that I, I, I want to talk about now, I just think it is so interesting. And I, I think that you did it, I would imagine, I would posit that you did it intuitively um, is, is part of who you are. But um, this is the next piece that we're going to talk about is something that our listeners at home, like not all of our listeners at home are going to get involved in sustainable energy. Not all of them are going to serve, you know, um, less developed countries or, or anything like that. But all of our, not all, most of our listeners are going to have to listen to their customers. And so I, I want to talk to you a little bit about that, because I think that over the course of the development of the box, one of the things that you did so, so well, you know, you, you came to the table with your thoughts and ideas and, you know, you were talking to, uh, you know, your mentors and, and, you know, trying to figure out how to solve this problem. But then one of the things that I know for a fact you did is you reached out to the people that you were serving and you were like, Hey, Hey, give us some feedback on how this box is going to work best for you. Uh, and so, so I want to talk to you and I want to hear about your, your process for doing that, you know, making sure that you were creating touch points and listening points with, with your customers and your constituents, the people who would benefit from the sunshine box. Yeah, no, that's, that's been a huge part of, of what we want to do is make sure that, you know, the only way the box stays relevant is that it continues to serve the purpose that, uh, it was originally designed for, and it also does does so in a way that doesn't alter the behavior or, uh, you know, those, those different characteristics of products that people have hard times or barriers overcoming. And so we reached out to the people directly and started to ask them, you know, what does this need to incorporate um, to best suit you? And it, it, we have received, you know, some some scrutiny over the fact that, you know, the product we sell today is is still barely similar to the one that we first sold back in, you know, 2015, but 
products in developing countries don't change the same speed that they do here in the United States. You know, we're serving a, a clientele of people that are still operating on 2G cell phone networks. Right. Um, and so really making sure that when they move to the next level of cell phone service or they move to the next level of cell phones, right, when they have smartphones and there is a large adoption of those. So I won't I won't leave that out, but uh, that we're serving them in the, the way they need to access our product the most effective way. And uh, one of the things we did learn recently uh, and when I say recently, it's, it's over the last few years because this problem hasn't changed is the secure money transfer, right? So our agents that are selling this electricity are typically taking their payments in cash. And so one of the things that we, we found through interviews is that the people were becoming targets for robbery. And so we, we've sat down with a team of people and we've been constantly iterating on the design about how do we enable the the sunshine box to take mobile payments so that our agents can have those transactions done securely. Um, but then also how can we elevate the transparency of the box so that when organizations are placing these boxes, they can see the, the energy output of the box, the total transactions through the box so that we can articulate the economic development of the box, the individual's, um, I guess, increase in wages per box um, so that we can really show that high level of transparency. And that was just one of the things that we've learned from from our our true constituents on how we can improve the product to best suit their needs. Well, so so I think that that is absolutely incredible. And I, and I want to ask you this, you know, as you're dealing with these, these people and, you know, asking opinions and making sure that you're introducing features and rolling out improvements that, that better serve, do you find that people, if people feel a sense of agency and empowerment around the product that you're creating, like, do you think that that kind of helps get the buy-in of the communities that you're, you're trying to, to serve? Absolutely. I mean, each, each, people that we talk to in different countries, they, they have different suggestions, but they're all ultimately talking about some of the same things, um, whether it's regarding security or access. Um, but, but ultimately what we want is for them to feel like it's their product, right? That they helped build it, that they helped uh, mold it into being what it is today, uh, because that's only going to help with the adoption of it. The trust aspect of working internationally is, is always a big uh, barrier. And so by incorporating the people uh, at the very bottom, the people who are experiencing these problems every day that are experiencing these barriers, by incorporating them into the product only helps us in in our outreach, in our attraction, uh, and also in the whole well-being of our product. Sure. Well, and, and you've mentioned that to me before, you know, par- a big part of what you've had to do is you have looked to expand globally and bring the sunshine box to more, more regions and territories and areas is, is building that trust. Um, you know, as, as someone who is not necessarily always on the ground, um, or a company that is not always on the ground, you have had to do a lot of work to, again, engage those folks that, you know, have insight into the product, you, you know, you finding those agents who can then serve as, essentially salespeople um, mm-hmm. in, in some ways as, you know, sunshine box, I guess, advocates. Um, but yeah, like talk to us a little bit about that process as well, like building in, in some of the other things that you've done to build that trust within communities who might not automatically embrace the sunshine box. 
Yep, absolutely. I mean, it, the trust is, is such a big thing, and we're working on building those those relationships both domestically and internationally. I mean, one of the things we don't realize is the money that is sent to emerging com- uh, emerging and developing countries from uh, more developed countries uh, isn't as much as we would think it is compared to the remittance that is sent back from uh, family members. So if there's a family member uh, in Houston from Haiti, the money that they're sending back to their family in Haiti, if you'd look at that globally, that's called remittance. And that remittance is higher than what the world produces in terms of aid to these countries. And so really making sure that we have touch points with those family members here in the country, but then also those communities and villages internationally to, you know, to show that we're real people, to show that we're here to help, um, right. you know, so that, so that they know that, you know, we want to do what we can. Yeah. And, and, and I love that you, you are so intentional and have found so many different ways to do that. Uh, so, so I got to say, you know, speaking of trust, uh, you know, I think that as entrepreneurs and as people who are just, you know, we're trying to build businesses, finding people who can help us that we can trust is really, really crucial. And I, I do just want to mention, you know, today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale. They can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. But I will tell you, Fullscale has their customers trust. Like I, 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 I say this as not as Lauren Conaway, Startup Hustle co-host. I say it as a person who actually talks to startup or to full-scale clients. And I, I just know so many individuals who have availed themselves of full-scale services. And they just know that, you know, if we engage full-scale, they're going to help us. They're going to, you know, do so in a way that that helps us increase our bottom line and do our jobs better. And so, so just want to point you to to full scale. You know, thanks for for sponsoring, but really thanks for being a trusted partner for so many of our entrepreneurs, the entrepreneurs who listen to the show. Uh, we we just love it. Uh, so we are here with Connor Hazelrig. She is founder of the 1773 Innovation Company, and we are talking about the Sunshine Box. Um, I want to, I want to take a little bit of a different, well, we're going to, we're going to take a different tack here in a second, but first things first, um, just real tactically, Connor, remind us how many, where, where can you find the sunshine box today? Like, where do you have boxes deployed? What areas? Yeah. So we have a hundred and I think 10, 110, 112. I have to go back and look at the spreadsheet, uh, boxes around the world. We're in 18 different countries. Um, and you know, if, if you're lucky enough to be at my house, there's a few here too. (laughs) They are pretty cool looking. I I have had the pleasure of, of seeing one or two over the years. Um, and I just, I I look at it cause it, cause the thing is like, I mean, it's a cool looking box, but it's not huge. Um, it definitely is, is highly portable. And you just think about, you know, what is it? Uh, great things come, can come in small packages. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. No, I've, I've traveled around the country with it, doing different talks and, um, I've actually done a few speaking engagements at the University of San Diego, and I honestly just put it inside a suitcase with some towels around it to protect it. Um, and yeah. it travels super easy like that, or we can put it in regular cardboard boxes with foam and send it all around the world. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. All right. So, so I just wanted to, to ask that because I think it's really important to see how your reach has grown. But, but, but here's the question that I really, really want to ask you. So one of the things that you have done well, and I think one of the things that is on your heart and mind a lot of, a lot of the time, um, is, is access to opportunity. 
and uh, you know access to resources. And so, you know, the the episode title that we're working here is bridging the gaps. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that. You know, let's let's take the ten thousand foot view um, for our listeners at home. You know, it, let's say that they are inspired to to solve a problem that might serve. It might serve individuals who are experiencing, you know, lack of resources, those barriers that, that you were talking about earlier. What are some things that you have done or what are some things that you would advise uh, as a general matter, of course, like these are the things that you can do tomorrow to make that difference? Hmm. Well, I mean, I, I think this goes back to what we were talking about before the break is, is that relationship building. I mean, it's, it's so hard to try to tackle a problem when you don't understand that problem. And even if you think you understand it, like check your, check your biases, check your assumptions, and then go talk to people who do experience it and be open-minded to listening. Um, because, you know, one of the things that you'll find is that the people on the ground or the people at, in my case are on the ground, but in any problem you're trying to solve the people who, have the best ideas and solutions are the ones who've had to experience and live through and in some ways be flexible to that problem. And so really being open and listening to what they have to say um, is, is the fastest way to make an impact. And then if you've got access to capital or people or uh, resources in a way, like helping make those connections, I think that's the, the fastest way to do it as opposed to constantly retrain to invent the wheel or, you know, think that your idea is the best and taking it to the people without any type of introduction. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely adore that. And, and, and I'm going to ask you, and I don't know, you've probably been asked this question before, but how has, has that relationship building helped you in your life? Because I know you're great at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that comment. Um, you know, starting the Sunshine Box from a business standpoint um, really has pushed me to understand the value of relationships and embrace those that I have, you know, seen fruitful impact from and collaboration from. Um, I haven't always been comfortable speaking in front of um, audiences or crowds or even on podcasts. Um, and so building that relationship um, has really pushed me to be a better, just kind of um, authentic speaker. And so, you know, being able to express what's on my mind, ask the questions um, has really pushed me to be a better founder. Um, yeah. it, it's really allowed me to, to create um, opportunities for not just myself, but the sunshine box that uh, little old me as a physics major probably wouldn't have been able to do. Um, yeah. And so just, you know, when I find good people, I stick with them. Yeah. I, I love that. And, and I mean, I gotta, I have to tell you, you know, you and I have known each other for a while and watching, I mean, by the time I met you, you were already a formidable person within the, the startup scene. Um, but just watching you grow and evolve has really been, it's been quite a gift actually. Um, you know, figuring out you have like different purposes and you have different things that you do, but all of it comes back to this huge heart that you have and this, this incredible mind. And you have found a way to very, uh, I guess, integrate the two very well. Um, and so, so it's been really, really fun to watch. So, so what is the future of the sunshine box? Um, you know, I know that 
you're you're a pre- you're, you you are a data person. I feel like like whenever we talk, you always kind of have facts and figures to back you up. And so I'm really curious to hear what your projections are for for the future. Yeah, I mean the the biggest thing that we've got in the, in the pipe or you know coming down the road is the integration of this digital secure payment system in the box, and it has been. Um, probably the hardest problem I've ever had to solve. And I love that Um, because then I'm constantly, like you said, researching, trying to find data, trying to figure out how to make things work. Um, And so, so the release of that will be uh, a huge, a huge point for us. Um, So that's kind of what the vision of the sunshine box is. Um, But I can't, you know, I can't be the one to speak to that. You know, it's going to depend on the, the geopolitics of the world and what the people need. one of the biggest frustrations over the past few years has been the lack of access to these countries because of COVID. You know, I haven't traveled in uh, over two years now, almost three. And so uh, all of the communication has been very uh, sparse. It's been very disconnected with, with people on the ground in these other countries. Um, and even over the last two years, just the just the access to Haiti alone with the death of the president, the overthrowing of the government, the control by uh, these gangs, you know, the future of Haiti is unknown. And so with the Sunshine Box being um, truly impacted by what's going on in Haiti because it was one of our first countries and we have the most contacts there, you know, all of it's unknown. They might come back and say that a different size system or a different operating um, system, if you will, the way the box works would fit better. And so, so we'll, we'll change based on what the need is long story short. Yeah. So, so that begs an interesting, an interesting question. Um, and, and I'm going to kind of circle back to something that we talked about, but I just think that it's a really, really important point, particularly for the folks listening at home. So, so Connor, you know this, but one of the things that I like to do on the show is, you know, find ways that our, our entrepreneurs who are listening can actually enact some of the things that we're talking about in their own lives. And so I think one of the, uh, one of the things that I love about the sunshine box is, is not just that you're, you know, you are responsive to your audience and to the people who need the product, but just the fact that you're so agile. Um, you know, I, I, I know that I know of a lot of founders who are so firm and well, this is what our product needs to be. Um, and they're not necessarily listening to customer feedback as well as they should be. And so in, in changing and tweaking and disrupting and innovating and all of those things that we talk about. So I want to ask you, uh, what are your tips for our listeners at home? How do you stay, um, not just receptive, but how do you stay agile? How do you um, stay, I guess, flexible and and pliable um, to to new ideas when it comes to this project that you're so passionate about? Well, I think it really starts with, I mean, almost going back to what the title of this podcast is, right? Bridging the gaps. So, so understanding the gaps, like that's the only reason anything's ever been innovated on is when someone has found a gap, whether that's in a consumer market, in a software solution, you name it, there's been a gap. And so something has been developed to help bridge that gap. And uh, you see products fail sometimes because they've overstepped and they've, they've moved beyond the gap and they're trying to do something else. And so for me, it's always just going back to, well, what's the problem we're actually trying to solve? Um, and, and sometimes that's, 
you realize it's the same problem, but you found a different solution or you found a more efficient way to look at it or new technology has been invented in the background that you can leverage to create more efficiencies. I just, I think somewhere in me has been wired to almost operate in that lean mentality and it's always kept me open-minded um, when looking at, at, at the gaps and helping find solutions for it. Yeah. Well, well, I, I love that, of course, and and I think you know that I'm a, a huge fan of you. And I mean, I don't think it's any secret to our listeners at home because you know <laughs> I, I I sing the praises of Connor Hazelrig all day long. Like I would do it all day long. It's very easy to do. Um, <laughs> but so so now I, I'm going to get a little personal, Connor, because I just I love kind of like picking at the you know the the outer core of Connor Hazelrig and getting to the crux of the matter. And so I want to ask, what's next for you? Huh. That, that is a good question. Um, I, I think the journey presents itself to me. I've never been um, married to having to do one thing by a certain time or to find a certain thing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always open to new opportunities. And, you know, that opportunity might be um, internationally, it might be here, it might be doing what I'm doing right now. Um, you know, my whole goal is is to make sure that what I'm doing makes an impact, um, and and make sure that I'm happy, right? And and that both of those things can happen um, simultaneously. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so one of the things that I do that we that I've heard multiple times from you, like throughout the course of this episode and, and over the course of years, uh, we talk about mentorship. And, and I know with 100% certainty that you have availed yourself of mentors. Um, and that's something that you take pretty seriously. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Lauren, we don't have enough time for me to list all the people that I would consider mentors, yeah. um, whether that's short-term or long-term. Um, you know, every, every other startup I've worked for, I've had a handful of mentors that I've learned things about startup. I've learned things about management. I've learned things about development. Um, but one person I know for, for a fact that I absolutely have to mention, um, because he's been so instrumental in, in my life is Kendall Randolph, the, the CEO of, of Sunshine Electronic Display. Yeah. Um, because, you know, when you think about it, I was, I don't, I don't know, probably 20 years old when I went to him and it proposed this crazy idea about building a box that would charge cell phones in developing countries, but I hadn't ever been to any of these countries. And, you know, he, he didn't even blink an eye. He didn't question it. He looked at me and said, done, like, let's do that. You know, I'll, I'll help, you know, with the construction, like you can go out into the, the manufacturing warehouse and, you know, use the tools and pieces that you have and like, let's build this. Yeah. Um, and, and just that level of support from the get-go with no questions asked, like if he had said no, who knows where I'd be today, right? There wouldn't be a sunshine box, I can tell you that, because at that point it was just a crazy idea. And I didn't even turn it into really a business opportunity until a few few years later after I'd implemented it into the first country. And so, um, and having his leadership, his perspective, as a successful business owner has been um, truly impactful on my life. I love that. Well, and his, his interest in you 
and his, um, I guess, commitment and desire to help you in this project that you were working on and saying, yes, like it, that benefit has increased ex exponentially. Like he helps you, you help these individuals, they help their communities. And it's become this, this global proposition that all kind of started with Connor and Kendall, you know, working together to achieve a vision. And I just, I think that that's so beautiful. You know, so so to the folks listening at home, if you have the opportunity to mentor, if you have the opportunity to be a mentee, uh, we talk about it a lot on the show here, but, you know, do it. You never know the the rewards that you will be able to reap as a result of these just these touch points, and these connections. Right, Connor? <laughs> Absolutely. It, it You couldn't have said it any better. I mean, um, I try to tell Kendall thank you as much as possible, but I'll never be able to communicate, you know what he's given me. And I, I look forward to the time that I can do that for others. Yeah. Well, I think that you do do that for others now. I mean, you're active here in the Kansas City startup community. And for, for sure, you act as an example. I, I will tell you, um, so, so one of the things that I find just wonderful and amazing about you is the fact that, you know, uh, as Innovate Her, I am always interested in, in following women in STEM. And so, um, but one of the things that, that I don't see very often is women inventors, um, you know, definitely see people who like, we, we're starting to see more developers, we're starting to see more engineers, we're starting to see, you know, more folks in like construction and things like that. But, you know, you're, you're an inventor. Uh, and, and I'm really curious as to what that experience has been like, but I will tell you that I, I point to you. Like when I have, you know, a school, a school teacher come to me and say, Hey, you know, I'm looking for some examples for my kids, you know, the students, in, like the, the girl students in my, in my STEM classes, um, what are some people that, where can I point them to, to see some inspiration? Like Connor Hazelrig is my inventor with a bullet. Uh, you and Jackie, like you two are my, my inventors, you know, Jackie, uh, and that, sorry, that is Jackie McCarthy of mm -hmm. Toolhouse Labs. Uh, but yeah, like you're an example. And so, so I feel like that inspiration is, uh, is really key. And thank you for that. Thank you for letting me do that. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, to, to your question about what's it like to be an inventor, uh, it's sometimes, you know, it makes me feel like I can invent anything and then I get quickly uh, back to reality and realize that I can't. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's always a fun, you know, ability to think, well, you know, once you've invented something or designed something or built something from the ground up, like you get a different perspective and it, it constantly reinforms what you're doing um, on the next thing. And so I think, you know, for me, it's a fun, constant, you know, almost uh, hamster wheel of problem solving. Yeah. Well, and I think that it's that that's the entrepreneurial piece right there. Like, I feel like there are so many of us, we come to entrepreneurship, we, we have different tactics, we have different ways that we do things, we have different areas of focus. But every single entrepreneur that I know is at heart a problem solver. They are someone who, who saw a challenge that either they themselves or the community around them was experiencing and they decided to solve it. And so, so I love that as an inventor, I almost feel like it's one of the more pure problem solving opportunities because you are literally, uh, you know, addressing, you know, very tactical problems and challenges through, through mechanics and through engineering and through like all of these things. But, but really, 
your story, Connor, is so like in a lot of ways, there's a lot of crossover between the entrepreneur, a lot of the entrepreneurs who are listening now who might not be inventors because we're all problem solvers. <laughs> and that's really yeah. inspirational too. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I think that that's probably one of the things that has driven me to entrepreneurship is the constant problem solving. And I, I look up to a handful of inventors and entrepreneurs as, as kind of, um, you know, inspiration for me. Yeah. Well, and, and I love that. And I, I think that one of your gifts that I've noticed over time, and I, and I hope you're, you're not getting sick of me, you know, just <laughs> lavishing praise all over you, but I don't think you get enough of it. Uh, most of the people on our show, I, I don't think most entrepreneurs get enough praise. And so I'm just like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be your cheerleader for the hour that we are spending together. Um, but I think one of the things that you, you do just remarkably well is, is you turn your, your love and your heart outward, but then you're also very receptive to, to what people are giving back. Um, and it, it, it really, it comes down to that relationship building piece that we've talked about. So thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and, and I do have to say, Connor, um, you know, we're coming up on the end of our time together. And I, I've been really struggling. I've been trying to think about my human question to you because there are so many things that I want to ask you. <laughs> but uh, so here here in my, my little recording area in my office, I have a sign that says undercover superhero. And so I'm going to ask you, uh, if you could be a superhero, what kind of superhero would you want to be? Oh, wow. And when you say kind, are you talking about like the power I'm going to, I'm going to leave that to you. You can, you could okay. either say, I want to be Batman or you could say, I want to have laser vision. I, okay. I, I think I'm going to leave it open to interpretation. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think, I, I don't know if there's a particular superhero. I am not that uh, up to date on my superheroes, but <laughs> I, I would really like the, the power to fly. Like I, I travel okay. all the time. Um, I'd like to get places a lot faster and have to avoid all public transportation areas. Okay. Well, and it would get you to, to places like Haiti faster right. and more easily. Yeah. Um, for sure. So, so I can see, I can see that. I love it. Uh, where's the first place you would fly to? Probably Alaska. What? All right. That is not what I expected. You. Why? Um, I, I, Alaska is beautiful. It's just not what I expected you to say. Well, <laughs> so there's something on my bucket list and my favorite animal of all times is a moose. Um, and I've never seen one in person. And like, I really, really want to see one bad. And I, I don't mean bucket list, like I'm going to be gone anytime soon, but like, sure. it's just something I really want to see in person. Cause it's my favorite. So fly to Alaska to see a moose. Okay. I love that. And I like, I feel like we need to put that, we need to manifest that into action that like over the course of the next couple of years, like Connor's going to go get to Alaska and is going to get to see a moose. And I want you to touch one. I want you to figure out how to touch one. How about that? I don't know why. I like to I like to touch wildlife and animals. I'm like, can I pet it? And people are like, no, it's a wild animal. And I'm like, but can I though? It's real sad. I mean, mooses are pretty big, but I'll, I'll try my best and I'll send you a picture if I can. Okay. I, I'm going to hold you to that for sure. So, so Connor, I just have to say thank you so much for taking the time to, to join us on the show, talk about the Sunshine Box, talk about you. Uh, this has been so great. Yeah, this has been fantastic. And, and thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, folks, I got to tell you, one of the people that we have to thank, we just thanked Connor because she's 
just a fucking rock star. Uh, but we also have to thank Full Scale for being this episode's sponsor. Once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by Full Scale. They can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. They do their work so well. Um, also want to point you, keep an eye out for Startup Hustle on, on social media. Uh, we do have a Facebook Startup Hustle chat group, and we have lots of conversations around, around entrepreneurship. We just kind of continue the conversations that we have here on the show. Uh, so go on, if you want to go onto Facebook, search for Startup Hustle chat, should pop right up. You can also find us on Instagram at Startup Hustle and LinkedIn and pretty much on all the social media channels because we really like social media and we would love to have you join the conversation with us. Friends, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedules week after week to listen to us. Uh, it is an honor and it is a pleasure. Uh, don't hesitate to reach out and keep on listening. We will catch you on the flip side. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.